0: This is Anchored in Christ, the sermon podcast that gives you hope in the gospel as an anchor for your soul. Brought to you from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. Our second reading this morning is from Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus, Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 16. It's found on page 171 in your Pew Bibles. Let us continue to listen. Not only with our ears, but with our hearts to God's word. Paul says, I therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, who is above all and through all and in all. But each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it is said, When he ascended on high, he made captivity itself a captive. He gave gifts to his people. When it says he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is the same who ascended far above all the heavens so that he might fill all things. The gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming. But, speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who was, who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped as each part is working properly promotes the body's growth and building itself up in love. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So yes, I am indeed watching the Olympics this year. I'm celebrating who won the golf yesterday, but I won't spoil it for anybody in case you haven't seen it yet. But somehow with, with the pandemic and everything else, I'm just having a little bit of difficulty trying to get into it and the costs of everything, but the almighty advertising dollar, I know it must go on, but... The Olympics are very special to me. I have very good memories of watching Olympics growing up as a kid. Anybody remember watching the miracle on ice in 1980? I remember sitting there at my friend's house with, he was a Jewish friend, and we were sitting there watching the hockey game and we're eating matzahs and peanut butter, if that makes any sense. But in 2012, we had the privilege as a family to go to the Olympic games in London in 2012, and we saw the Olympic torch relay as it came through Buckingham Palace and we saw Kate and Prince William and Harry when they were getting along. And I remember sitting in our flat in London watching the oh-so-British opening ceremonies on BBC, but then seeing the Olympic rings come up from the ground. And then come together and become interconnected in the Olympic symbol of athletes coming together from around the globe and interdependent and interconnected, at least for a short time, in the bonds of peace. Each circle made stronger because of the other, because of the linkage. And there's a keen sense of reliance and interdependence of one to the other. There are no divisions within these circles. Each one exists to build up the others. Each circle has meaning because they are attached to the others. And no one circle can survive and thrive without the help of the other. I know I'm getting a little bit too deep and existential here, but yes, there is a lot to learn on what it means to be a church and a community of Christ from those interconnected circles. That's the message that Paul wanted to get across to the Ephesians. Indeed, probably writing from a Roman prison Paul wants the believers at Ephesus to end this Jew-Gentile division that was fracturing the church community, the beloved community. He wants them to be a unified team that works together with a common purpose and mission. He wants them to experience healthy interconnections in the bonds of peace. Did you hear those words he said? He is begging a response from the Ephesians in verse 1, literally in the Greek, begging, calling them to come to his side. Yes, it is Coach Paul at his best, calling for mutuality, unity, and interdependence. And here comes me as Captain Obvious today, making the obvious observation of our landscape. That this is a true challenge to us Western thinking, rugged individualist, narcissist, whatever is you want to add on to the end of those. Of being dependent upon one another. So verse by verse, Paul unfolds different aspects of how we are to be a team. How we are to be connected to one another. If you notice, Paul's vision of a church is a lot like a 12-step group. Humility because of brokenness. Gentleness to one another as we need grace and to be graceful with each other. Patience because we're imperfect. Bearing with one another in love. Because change rarely happens without it. Indeed, Paul's concept of the church is not of a building that we go visit once a week, but experiencing church is about the quant- is, is, isn't about is about the quantity of time spent at a place, but about the quality of the relationships nurtured in that purpose-built beloved community. It's all about what we experience when we are engaged in relational linkages, gathering around the good news that Jesus is the bread of life, and sharing common beliefs and living our shared lives in grace and truth for one another, and most importantly, for the entire world. This Jew-Gentile separate circle thing is really bothering Paul. And in just three verses, did you notice how many times he uses the word one? Seven times he uses the word one. Harmony through shared identity. But it doesn't come easily or naturally. And we must make every effort to maintain it. Unity is like keeping a clean house. It isn't the result of cleaning it just once. Life happens. Stuff happens. Kids and their friends happen. Heidi and I are still recovering from having our three grown daughters visiting us in Maine for a few weeks. When they come and visit, I call it an explosion. Their suitcases just, they explode. And then I become the innkeeper and reverse the process of imploding those bags, but you cry when you drop them off at Logan. And our relationships are no different. In this interim ministry time coming together, we're going to look at and assess who we are as a congregation, as a community of faith, in relationship with each other, and yes, in relationship with Newburyport and the world. It's a time to celebrate who we are as followers and believers in Jesus Christ, the bread of life. And it's a time to seek unity and common purpose, Rediscovering our identity and mission and ministry to a broken and fragmented culture, society, and nation. Indeed, Paul had relational and cultural reconciliation in mind when he was writing down these words. Calling to appeal for unity to all the forms of division that can occur within the church, both with a little C and a capital C, and bringing together all of those separate circles together in the bonds of peace. All these circles are called by Paul, called by the triune God, to come together into an interconnected community that cannot only survive, but thrive in these times. It's our calling to choose unity, to purposely seek it. And that which unifies us is just one thing. Actually, one person. Jesus Christ is Lord. That's it. That is what brings us all all these circles into one unified whole in the bond of peace. And from that unity comes a singular purpose and mission. All of my three daughters are rowers. Through middle school, high school, and college, I can remember standing alongside rivers in the cold, the Mohawk River, the Saratoga, River, Saratoga Lake, and my favorite, the Charles River in Boston, at the head of the Charles, watching my three daughters row down the Charles, wondering if it's actually them, with my cowbell. One time, my one daughter rode at a head of the Charles in the snow. It was cold. But in London, in 2012, we had the chance to watch Olympic rowing in person. And what really struck me, sitting from the grandstand and being able to watch from above, were the eight women boats. Actually, the nine women boats. Eight women sweeping their oars in perfect harmony, like they were just one big machine of wonderfully artistic fluid motion. I was witnessing the easiest and best sermon illustration on the church ever. There it was, right in front of me. A living illustration of being the church. Of being wonderfully different and gifted individuals coming together, listening to the commands given out by our coxswain in Jesus Christ. Sorry, I'm running along in sports metaphors here. but listening to the call to follow him in ministry and mission follow the goals of being the church the missio Dei to faithfully proclaim not only with our words but with our actions that are going on in the soup kit in the kitchen right now with the sandwiches you need both to proclaim that Jesus Christ is lord Because to be part of God's team, to be part of God's beloved community, is not a passive thing. Being a follower of Christ is not a spectator sport. Rather, it is something to be lived out and experienced with a common vision and purpose. Ask a seasoned adult like myself about how I grow spiritually, and I'll probably offer a few replies about good preaching, good worship, good devotional life, small group discussions. But ask my three daughters, and it'll be more experiential. They'll tell you about the mission trip they took to El Salvador while they were in college. They'll, They'll share how their faith and comfort were stretched and tested by working at that shelter, by volunteering at camp by helping out at a summer lunch program. There needs to be a balance in everything in the church, those circles coming together in faith and in practice, because mission leads to maturation. Service leads to spiritual growth. Purpose leads to propagation of the gospel. One of my my professors in, in seminary had this definition of evangelism. He said, evangelism is one beggar telling another where to find bread. In unity, working together as one Old South team with singularity of purpose, there is nothing then that can pull us apart. That's what Paul's getting at in verse 14 and following, when he's talking about the false doctrines and getting tossed to and fro. He's reminding them and us that during times of doubt and confusion, illness and pandemic, we need each other as a beloved community and to always be reminded of who and whose we are. And then finally here, Paul, to bring all of these wonderful metaphors and illustrations together, Coach Paul concludes with the most familiar one of all. With Christ as the head of the church body, we become an interlinked physical rowing machine. A boat that is filled with equipped, serving, sacrificing different rowers like you and me and Tim with the singular purpose of crossing the finish line into the good news of the kingdom of God. That's a team that I really want to be on. And I'm all out of metaphors. (laughs) Amen. Let's pray. Lord, change us, transform us, renew us, reform us according to your blessed word. That we might be in unity in the bonds of peace. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. If you'd like more information about our historic church, or you'd like to find out more about the gospel of Jesus, please visit our website at oldsouthnbpt.org. The peace of Christ be with you.